be with us only a couple of more Sundays. So uh, Tyler has been appointed to Crossville United Methodist Church. Uh, I do not have a pastor, and so he preached up there during December. Robin Scott, the district superintendent, called me and him and said, hey, can Tyler go up and preach? And God opened up a door. Uh, they met, and the DS did, and uh, so uh, they prayed about it. They feel like God has opened up a door, and so we're just going to trust God and walk in that door. And so his last Sunday will be with us the last Sunday in January, the 24th, I believe it is, and then he will be appointed at Crossville United Methodist Church. So uh, be praying for them as they trust God in this call, and uh, as all of us do. Whether we have a call to ministry and to pastor, we still all have a call to trust God every day. And that's what it takes, just trusting him. And uh, so be praying for them as they go in this new appointment in a few weeks. And uh, now I'm going to change gears and tell you something that happened to me yesterday. I've already, I've already blown it with my diet for 2018. But boy, I had good plans. But I have to confess to you what happened to me yesterday afternoon, and I have to confess to you that I've already blown the diet for 2018 because of what happened to me yesterday afternoon when I was in the drive through line at Krispy Kreme. <laughs> so I was pretty long line, and I, I almost pulled out of line, and no, I, I, no, no, I'm getting a donut. So I ordered a dozen glazed donuts, and as I'm sitting there, I noticed the car in front of me. This is why I had to go in and confess and tell you because I busted out laughing. When I looked at the car in front of me, nice SUV, big hatchback, and had this beautiful sticker right across the back that said, Eat Organic. Had a big apple. And I just busted out laughing, thinking, there, I wanted to get out and say, Hey, you got to eat. There's nothing organic inside Krispy Kreme. But they had that beautiful sticker, Eat Organic. But anyway, turns out they didn't have any glazed donuts. So they said, We're going to make them fresh. But if you'll, just, if you'll just come inside, it's going to be 10 or 15 minutes. So I've already ordered and everything, so I go inside. Y'all, I've never been inside there. I didn't know they actually had that machine that they rolled them out, the glazed donuts. And there it was, staring me in the face, like Niagara Falls, that icing flowing down. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they roll those through there. I'm just waiting. I'm looking at that Niagara Falls of icing, and I had visions of, how could I get on that roller and just go up underneath that? <laughs> so I've blown my diet. It's over with. And yes, I did get a dozen glazed donuts, and I did share one with Lana, and, and, but I ate a few of them. I confess, it's over with. We're going to continue to talk about trusting God. I preached on that the last two Sundays, and I'm going to do the same thing again this morning. Um, so... Uh, you know, I think we could preach on trusting God and, and never fully get it all because it's a, it's a living thing. It's, it's just constantly we've got to keep trusting Him. So we know that the Bible teaches us that there are incredible benefits that come to those who trust God. We also know that the Bible also teaches that there are eternal consequences for those persons who do not trust God. And so we have to live in that reality of grace and truth I'm teaching from the book of Isaiah in the Bible study on Wednesday morning and Wednesday night, so at 11 o'clock and 6 o'clock, and we will be looking at Isaiah 11 and 12 for those that are part of those Bible studies, so Isaiah the 11th chapter and the 12th chapter this coming, coming week. But because I've been reading in Isaiah, I'm going to read to you three scriptures out of Isaiah that use the word trust. 
since I've been reading in it, and it's just incredible how many times the word trust is found in the Bible. So here's the first from, from Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. It's an interesting phrase. He first says, God is my salvation. He also has become my salvation. But it comes to those who says, I will trust and not be afraid. That's how we get salvation. We trust in the living God. We know in the New Testament that we must trust Jesus Christ. For salvation comes to none but lest they trust in Him. Thou must be saved. You must trust God for salvation. That's an eternal benefit of trusting God is salvation. The second one is Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you so there's perfect peace not just peace but perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you maybe you're thinking about Philippians you know in the fourth chapter be anxious for nothing but it talks about that the, when we trust God and we come to God that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard Get that visual, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so here's the Old Testament saying, too, that perfect peace comes to those who trust in you. That's why that peace comes, because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. Another little twist, this one in Isaiah 47, is the fact that Isaiah was prophesying to a people who had quit trusting God. His own people, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, and as he was preaching to them and uh, the Syrians and Babylonians that oftentimes were used to punish God's people, discipline God's people, whatever word we might choose. And many of the prophets said, Lord, I, I wanted you to sick them, but that's not exactly the way I wanted you to do it. So Isaiah's struggling with that. And so Isaiah makes this statement as he prophesies to those who do not trust God. He says this in Isaiah 47.10. For you have trusted in your own wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. No one sees me. I'll do what I want. But God says through Isaiah and Isaiah 47, your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am. And there is no one else besides me. That's a, that's a dangerous statement to trust in yourself. That's what Isaiah is saying. And you know that the world laughs at us for trusting Christ. When more and more people across the world and the world mindset or the world view is to not believe the truth in God's word and not believe in Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved except for the name of Christ. And so people laugh at us that we would trust, and many, many, many people trust in themselves. According to the Bible, that's a dangerous thing. With all that in mind, as you're thinking about trusting God and where you're at right now in your life, I asked these two questions when I sent out the devotion this week on Wednesday, and maybe you read it and you've already answered it, and I hope the answer to both of them is no, but it makes us think. Is it, 
is it irresponsible to trust God too much? Is it irresponsible to trust God too much? Some would argue, yes. I would, I would say no. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with trusting God. I think that's the wisest thing to do. And the Bible would bear that out. But does God give us a free will and we can make choices? Yes, in the middle of all that, he still works, but we still got to trust him. I don't think you can trust him too much. Not somebody that's willing to give you salvation, eternal life, and give you a perfect peace. I believe I trust him. The second question was like this. Surely, surely authentic trust in God does not mean that I should take no action ourselves. So we do know God tells us to put feet to our faith tells us to get out of the boat and Simon and Peter walked on water so we gotta we gotta walk on water sometimes in this life and this journey with him so surely authentic trust in God does not mean that we should take no action ourselves but does that mean that we should always plan to do everything by our own power again I think the obvious answer is no whatever we have and whatever power and decisions we can make is willed by God but do we always only want to do it in our own power well no we're sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to trust Abba. We're supposed to trust our Father. What is one of the hottest fires that you have ever been close to? And by the way, the title of the sermon, if you read it in the bulletin, is This Fire is Hot. I grew up out in Ivory, Alabama, in the country. We had pastures and all and so forth. We had to clean up brush piles and clean up fence rows and stuff. And so we would pile up brush piles, and some of you have had to do this too, and then you let them dry out a little bit and get brittle, and then you set them on fire. And, of course, we've had to pick up more, you know, daddy, and get all this up and throw it in the fire, but be careful. And you've probably been close to some type of fire like that, and, and she can get pretty hot. And so you're throwing that brushes in there, and I've actually singed my hair and my hair on my arms. You've probably had a similar experience of some kind, but that's a hot heat. But for me personally, even a hotter heat, and you've probably experienced this too, is, I love to still grill with charcoal. Now, I like gas grills, but I don't even have one anymore. I still got my old Weber, and I put that charcoal in there, and you fire it up. In fact, I cooked the steak last night out there with 28 degrees, but it was, sure was good. But that fire, and you, you get charcoal, and you lay it down. If you've ever cooked on charcoal, you know if you lay some type of meat up there, if your hand ever stayed there too long, oh, how quickly. Another hot fire that I never experienced, but my granddaddy Powell did because granddaddy worked at the steel plant. If you grew up around here, we know that we had Republic Steel, which became Gulf State Steel. And my granddaddy hired on when he was 17 years old, and he worked there for 43 years. And granddaddy, who grew, I grew up beside him, and I was very close to him. He would tell stories about working in the, in the plate mill and the bar mill. Some of you got kin folks that worked in those. Well, some of those jobs were so intense heat of melting iron that they had to wear a mask and a hood and clothing, full clothing that was fire protected. So part of his job, and part of the jobs that they had back in the day, you could only stand it so long. They had certain instruments they had to do and go in and do a job, and you had to back out, and so they rotated with every 15 to 30 minutes because you couldn't stand the heat, that furnace melting that iron. I say all that to lead into this story in Daniel, the third chapter. You can read the whole story. Most of you have read it, and you know where I'm going with this. But Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
they had been taken captive to Babylon. And so this story in chapter 3 is about Nebuchadnezzar building this, this great golden image. He declared that everybody bared or bow down and worship it. And so I want to read some of the scripture to you about this fiery furnace. Daniel, the third chapter. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time to hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, then it's going to be good for you. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And then, rather arrogantly, Nebuchadnezzar says, And who is the God? Who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, oh Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, capital G, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand either way. He will deliver us from your hand. But, so here's this trust. Here's this sovereign God that they're trusting in. But if not, I don't think that's a lack of faith. They're just being real. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Well, Nebuchadnezzar didn't like what he heard. He was furious. He said, take them and throw them into the fire furnace, but before you do, heat it up seven times hotter than it's ever been. If you read in Daniel 3, you know that they heated up that furnace. You know that even the Bible tells us that the ones who, the servants who grabbed them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and began to throw them in there, that when they got to the door where they slung them in, it, the fire was so hot it burned them up. The servants were melted right there. That's how hot this fire was. Then if you go on and read, you realize in verse 24 of Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three people bound in the midst of this fire? They answered to him and said, Yes. King, true, O king. He said, well, look, as he looked into the opening of the fire furnace. Look, he answered, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire. Four men. And they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You read the rest of the story, you know that they walked out. And the Bible says that not one hair was singed on their bodies. And I like this line. It says they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar said, oh my goodness, whatever God you got, everybody better listen to their God because there ain't no God and there ain't no gold image that can do what this God did. So God spared them. But to me, their faith statement, their statement of trust is probably for me one of the most powerful in the Bible because they accept the fact we're going in that furnace. And our God will deliver us from your hands one way or the other. But if not, if we burn in this fire, we're still not going to serve that image. We're still going to trust God. And some of you may be thinking, as I do too, this is a powerful story of God's deliverance. I understand that. 
But I also know that many times God's people weren't delivered in the way that they hoped they would be. Look at the disciples. Look at Jesus himself who hung on the cross. Look, look at John the Baptist, the one who said, Behold the Lamb of God, the one who had his head cut off. So I, I don't understand all the outcome of it. But I know that even you and me have prayed prayers. And Be honest with me. Tell me you've prayed before and then you got off your prayer going, Really? Really, God? I mean, is that the, this is not exactly the way I wanted you to answer this. So the truth is, I'll just go ahead and call it. We've all been at that place. But did you keep trusting him? And did you still go to him in prayer regardless of the outcome? Yes. It's part of why we're here this morning. We still trust the living God. We trust him regardless of the outcome. So I think that's a great statement that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shared with us. Some of you will remember the name Corey Tin Boom. She made a great statement on trust, but in case you're here and you're younger than me, I, I remember the book called The Hiding Place. Some of you my age know you probably read that book written by this woman who was born in the Netherlands. This is going back before World War II. And so her family, who were watchmakers and jewelers, they were hiding Jews from the Nazis, and they had a room that had a hidden panel, and they could keep about six people behind that panel, and they would hide them there, and the authorities would come in and were looking for the Jews to annihilate them. And so we know that probably they saved about 800, 800 Jewish people over the course of some time. I'm not sure how long it went. Eventually, the family got caught. So all of them, including Corey Timboon, were placed in concentration camps and so she saw her dad die and then they were separated her and her sister she had two sisters and a brother but her sister Bessie which she wrote about and struggled with as she watched her own sister die that was December the 16th 1944 and then 12 days and as I read a little bit more on it they really don't know how she got released but she ended up being released and led a full life and she died in 1983 but she wrote a book about all this experience with her God. They were part of a Dutch church there in, in the Netherlands. And she wrote the experience called The Hiding Place. Thus they hid people behind. She made a statement. She's got really great quotes. If you ever want to go in there, just type in Corey Ten Boom. Quotes. She's got some good ones. This is a very good one on trust. And I needed it this week. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. What a good statement. This is somebody who watched her family and her own sister die in a concentration camp. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. But the reality is we all face that. We all face unknown futures unless we have God. I want to close by sharing with you that as I've learned through studying this, and I'm sure there are many more, but I want to close with just deep trust in God is connected to three powerful truths. And again, I'm sure there are more, but here's mine. Deep trust in God is connected to three powerful truths. The first one is the grace and the ability to accept his sovereignty even when we don't understand it. 
Now, we preachers like to use the word sovereignty. It sounds good. and It's in the Bible, the word sovereign, our sovereign God. But what does it really mean? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Now, most of you have some definition of the word sovereignty, and I've looked up and I've read some greats, A.W. Tozer, John Wesley, uh, Billy Graham, uh, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, and, and their statement of what sovereignty is, but none of them have satisfied me, and that their own admittance, their own answer to the sovereignty didn't fully satisfy them either because we're talking about a God who is all-powerful, who spoke the world into existence, our creator. We're talking about a God who gave the creatures, us, a free will, We've got a God who's all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and yet he gave his creatures a free will. And in the midst of all of that, he still is God and Lord of all. That's sovereign. And our God asks us to trust him. I think that's kind of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They trusted the outcome, regardless of what it was, to their sovereign God. And do we not have to do that as well? Sure we do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I quote often. Many of you have it memorized. That's one of your top five. I highly recommend it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. Golly, bum, I want to do that so often. God, I, I, I can figure this out, God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on what you think you know is a modern translation. It may be in the NIV. I quote them both. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not of thy own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in everything you do, and he shall direct your paths. Well, in order for that to happen, it takes trust. So the grace and the ability to accept his sovereignty, even when we don't understand it. We've all been there. The second thing that deep trust can do for us, one of the powerful truths we find from Isaiah, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you. Do you trust God? I mean, do you trust him? Do you trust him? He says he will give a peace to us and many of you experience you could testify to. In times when you didn't have it all figured out and you didn't understand everything, but yet there was this peace. It's going to be okay. That comes to those who trusted him. The third thing is this. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. New Testament says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we're on this journey of our salvation that comes with this God that we trust. And so one of the benefits of trusting God is eternal salvation. This isn't all there is. We know we live in this world. We've got to keep on keeping on. But there is salvation. There is eternal life. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you trust Jesus Christ for your salvation? You Trevor, just, just trust him. I trust you with my whole life, my whole soul. I give you that, God. I trust you with that because I know that you are the God of my salvation. I pray that you can claim that this morning. If you can't, you know, that can happen right now. You can trust him. You say, I, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I want this salvation that Isaiah spoke about. i tell you another thing, too, that I've learned in trusting the sovereignty of God is that it, when, when you're confused about things, you know, to go to the cross, if you go to the cross and bow down before a God who's willing to die for you, shed his blood for you. That's a God you can trust. 
I hope you've trusted him today. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I renew my trust in you this morning as I even struggle with preaching on all this. But God, I know my brothers and sisters, we're all in that same boat. Help us to keep trusting you. And I pray that we will renew our trust in you. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. We ask us now, help us, God, to respond to your truth, respond to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn uh, is hymn number 337. Hymn number 337, Only Trust Him. Only Trust Him 337. Let's stand together. The altar is always open. You come if you have need.